Hello, and welcome back to the Climate Conversation. I'm Dan Brissett, Executive Director at the Environmental and Energy Study Institute. And with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, Emma Johnson. Hello, Emma. Hi, Dan. Today's episode is a really special one because it's both our last episode of season two and our last episode of the year of 2021. That is right. And we are going to go out with a bang and celebrate both of those things by taking a look back at 2021 and reflect on what we've accomplished at ESI. And spoiler alert, that is a lot. We did a ton of work in 2021. To help us wrap things up, we will be joined by a couple of guests from ESI throughout the episode. We're going to start off by looking back at our 2021 briefings. As listeners might know, briefings are some of the biggest congressional education work ESI does. We invite experts to present about a critical environmental topic, and uh, those experts help inform policy solutions with their presentations. That's right, Emma. And in 2021, ESI hosted a whopping 28 briefings on topics ranging from budget reconciliation to modernizing America's energy system and infrastructure to the series we just concluded a couple weeks ago in December about reducing waste. Across all of our briefings, we had 112 expert panelists who shared with us and our audience their insights and ideas. And if any of our listeners have watched a briefing from 2021, they'll be familiar with hearing you, Dan. But there is, of course, a whole team at EESI working behind the scenes to help make these briefings possible. And one of those people is Senior Associate Dan O'Brien, who does the super important work of coordinating the briefing speakers, setting up the website, sending out notices, and so much more on the back end that I can't even go into right now because there's just so much of it that's really critical. And he is here with us today to take a look back at our 2021 briefings with us. Hi, Dano. Hi, Emma and Dan. So to get us started, we're each going to talk about what our favorite briefing was of this year and why. I know there's so many of our favorite ones that we want to talk about. I'm going to start and just jump right in and say that my favorite briefing was one that we did not too long after COP26, the Conference of Parties, which is the UN International Climate Conference, not long after that ended. We had an amazing briefing that was covering what happened at COP. And this was the last installment of our briefing series on the UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow. So we had five briefings in total that were a part of this series. And it was co-sponsored by the British Embassy of Washington, and the whole series was made possible by our partnership with the Henry M. Jackson Foundation. We had these great panelists who helped really break down uh, what happened during that crazy time. It was such a hectic moment where there was so much going on over two weeks, and it was so helpful to have some really knowledgeable people come on and tell us what actually came out of it. And I found it so insightful, even as someone who spent a lot of time watching cop things for two weeks. Dano, what was your favorite briefing? Working on 28 briefings, there's too many to choose. But two of my favorite briefings were the Congressional Climate Camp Number 2, Federal Policies for High-Emitting Sectors, and Creating Policies, Coalitions, and Actions for Global Sustainable Development with Sir Robert Watson and Christiana Figueres. Well, if Dan O gets to give two favorite briefings, then I get to give two favorite briefings. So I'm going to say, in chronological order, I'm going to start with uh, a briefing we held in April on the Monday of Earth Week, 
We had a briefing called Climate Adaptation and Resilience, The Road to COP26. We had four uh, just impeccable speakers, our first collaboration of the year with the British Embassy Washington, another of our collaborations with the American Society of Adaptation Professionals. And I think it was a great preview of things to come with the rest of our COP coverage um, later in the year. So I really, really enjoyed that briefing. It came at a really important time, early in a really important week for getting the U.S. to re-engage and reassert its leadership on the global stage. So that's going to be my number one. And then my second favorite, chronologically, is a little briefing we had back on June 8th, Unlocking Capital for Climate Solutions, the Benefits of a National Climate Bank. Not only did we have four of the greatest speakers of all time, this is an issue that I uh, think a lot about. And I really liked how we approached the issue. We didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about what a green bank is or how it works. We focused on the benefits. We focused on the climate benefits, the jobs benefits, the economic development benefits, which is exactly what we should be focusing on with something like a national climate bank. Um, each state's going to do their green bank a little different. That's okay. Let's talk about the benefits. And that was a really great briefing. I really enjoyed pulling that together. Dan B., I'm so glad you brought up the briefing on unlocking capital for climate solutions, because that was a really important briefing for me as well, because I didn't know anything about green banks before we hosted that briefing. I understood, of course, that we're going to have to fund these climate solutions somehow, these new renewable energy technologies, these massive transformations in our energy system. But I didn't really think a lot about how we would actually do that and how we would actually put those climate solutions into practice. So I really learned so much from that briefing, and it really broadened my perspective about what is possible on the state level for financing climate solutions. So I'm really glad you brought that one up because I really learned a lot from that one too. Dano, do you want to talk about why those two briefings that you mentioned were some of your favorites and some of the big takeaways that you got from those? Yeah, thanks, Emma. During Congressional Climate Camp 2, which was on February 26th, I learned a lot about industrial emissions and the technology to make our sectors that are making a lot of the things that we use zero waste and zero emissions, which is extremely exciting. Learning about hydrogen being a Swiss army knife of solutions is something I didn't know much about. So learning about that during Climate Camp 2 was really great. I think the main thing to highlight about my favorite briefing on October 8th with Sir Robert Watson and Christiana Figueres was seeing these climate giants talk to really great slides in really easy to understand ways is really important. So you can show this briefing to any member of your family and they'll learn a lot. It's really important information. I also want to quickly plug the last briefing series about waste, where I learned that $408 billion is wasted every year in food that is thrown out. Fixing food waste is a great, huge, low-hanging fruit to make our emissions a lot less in this country. And there's a lot of work that we can be doing, which is always exciting. A lot of work to be done and which gives us hope. Thanks, Dano. Dan B., if you are thinking about something that you took away from a briefing this year or something that you learned that stayed with you, is there something that comes to mind? 
For sure. And I already talked about why I liked climate adaptation and resilience, the road to COP26 and unlocking capital for climate solutions. But I want to plug climate camp number five, which was our bonus episode. And it specifically looked at understanding budget reconciliation. And we had two of the absolute best speakers with a real gift of explaining something that's so complicated and so archaic. We had Molly Reynolds uh, with Brookings and Zach Moeller from Third Way, two amazing panelists. And, you know, that turned out to be a really important briefing. Um, If you go back and watch that briefing, if you read the notes, if you listen to the questions, um, all of the issues we talked uh, about all the way back on May 21st are absolutely still relevant here in the middle of December with everything that's happening in Congress. So I think that's one that gets, uh, that really deserves special mention. And I think if you were going to go back and look at any of ESI's briefings to get an idea of sort of what climate policy looks like in Washington, D.C. circa right now, I would say start with that one because they did a really, really excellent job of breaking it down and explaining how this was going to work, if it's going to work and when it's going to work. I totally agree, Dan B. I mean, just thinking about a topic that is so extremely relevant right now in terms of the Build Back Better Act and budget reconciliation at the heart of that. So thanks for bringing that one up. And so those were all briefings that we covered in 2021. Of course, our work is not stopping here. We've got plenty already in the works for 2022. So let's just go around the horn and talk about what we're looking forward uh, to discussing in the next year. Dano, do you want to start on this one? 2022 will be really great for our briefings, and I'm very excited to be working on them next year. The ones I'm looking forward to the most is a new briefing series on big solutions where we're going to talk about CFCs and some new ways to get energy from our tides and other kinetic energies. I think these briefings will be really interesting and give us some new perspectives on some really challenging issues. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled on these very important ESI briefings. For sure. And how about you, Danby? What are you looking forward to for 2022? Well, the series that Dano mentioned for sure, that's going to be a big one. But I think earlier in the year, we're going to take a close look at a number of existing federal programs that are currently operational that are producing sort of an outsized and positive climate impact. So I'm thinking about the Rural Energy Savings Program at USDA. I'm thinking about all of the amazing energy efficiency programs the Department of Energy implements at Building Technologies Office and Advanced Manufacturing Office and Weatherization, uh, State Energy Program, all that great stuff. So I think that's going to be one that I look forward to a lot. Um, We've done briefings in the past couple of years that have looked at sort of the specific benefits of the energy efficiency programs, but I think expanding that out to look government-wide at you know, these are these are programs that are going. These are programs that are delivering benefits already, adaptation benefits, mitigation benefits. They're already um, up and running and they're doing great stuff. And I think taking a close look at how those programs work is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I really agree. There's plenty of federal programs that we can be highlighting. And another federal initiative that I want to bring up is Justice 40, and which we're also hoping to discuss in an upcoming briefing. So Justice 40 is referring to something, an initiative that the Biden-Harris administration 
has released that promises to deliver at least 40% of the overall benefits from federal investments in climate and clean energy to disadvantaged communities. This is going to be an enormous undertaking to have this be applied across all federal agencies, you know, all across the country. It's going to be this enormous task. And I'm really looking forward to diving into more about how this is going to happen and just what it means for projects on the ground. I think there's so much potential, but so much work that has to go into it. So really looking forward to diving into that as well. Dano, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Help us take a look back on our briefings this year. And of course, thank you for all the work you do to help EESI's programs run smoothly. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Dano. Couldn't do it without you. And you know, I know all of our briefing panelists, and I know this because they tell me these things. All of our briefing panelists really appreciate you know, all of the work that goes into getting the pre-calls organized and summary notes posted and the archive posted. And it's great that we do a briefing and it's great that it lasts for an hour and a half, but it's even better that that briefing is available for the long-term. People can go back and look at it. Um, So thanks a lot. And um, looking forward to a really busy briefing schedule, I should say, in 2022. Thank you. And thank you for all the hard work that you do. That's extremely important for a better world. I'm happy to be a part of the team. Now, of course, ESI does a lot more than briefings. And if you listen to our briefings, we usually have a couple minutes at the beginning where we run through all of this great stuff. And I mentioned um, that we do fact sheets and issue briefs and articles and newsletters and podcasts. We also have an entire line of work organized around providing technical assistance to utilities in rural areas to provide on-bill financing programs for their customers. And sometimes that work pops up in our briefings. Um, Sometimes it doesn't, but we have all this stuff going on and it's really great. And it's a diverse amount of work. And what that means is we all get to work on different stuff at different times, but it's always focused on climate solutions. It's always focused on getting the job done. That's right, Dan. And just in 2021, we published five fact sheets, two issue briefs, and 107 articles, which is an incredible number. So to look back on some of this work, I'm happy to welcome our second guest, policy associate Savannah Bertrand, who first met back in season one when she was first joining EESI. Hi, Savannah. Hi, Emma and Dan. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Let's go around the room and talk about what our favorite project was this year from everyone. Dan B., maybe we'll start with you. All right. So I'm going to cheat a little bit because I'm going to highlight a project that was actually my favorite project from 2020, which was our major coastal resilience report, A Resilient Future for Coastal Communities, published the end of October 2020. It's an amazing report. It's also a report that we use all the time. And so the project that I'm going to highlight was the ways that we leveraged all of the findings and recommendations that are compiled in that report to inform policy. So we took every opportunity we could find to respond to requests for information, committees on Capitol Hill, looking for uh, technical assistance around putting bills together, assembling policy options, uh, and we really leveraged the capstone, I think, in a really productive way. And then we also used it uh, for the first time 
uh, to inform testimony to congressional committees on appropriations. So we highlighted lots of great programs and we reached conclusions about um, sort of what those are. And we also developed this really amazing network of our panelists. We had 112 panelists for all of our briefings in 2021, but we had 42 panelists over the course of 2019 and 2020 in our Coastal Resilience Series. And those 42 panelists were awesome. And we developed this really great network. And we were actually able to talk with panelists from that series about what their priorities were as well. And we used all of that to inform a lot of engagement with um, congressional committees in 2021. So that's going to be my answer. And Savannah, I know that you've spent a lot of 2021 working on stuff around COP26. And so I'm going to hand it over to you to talk about your favorite project for this year. Yeah, I think um, working on our daily newsletter, Glasgow Dispatch for COP26, was my favorite project of the year. Um, Kind of a hard choice, but it was so much fun to work closely with you, Emma, and our other colleague, Anna McGinn, um, to produce this newsletter. We virtually attended so many great COP events, and I learned a lot from all of them. Um, We also tracked congressional education at this COP and found that There was a bipartisan delegation of 44 members of Congress that attended, which was the highest in COP history. And then finally, we also tracked key announcements that came out of COP and reports that were published during the two weeks. And all of that can, of course, be found on our website. So I hope you'll take a second to check that out. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Savannah. COP was in an incredibly busy time, but it was really fun to write our daily newsletter, the Glasgow Dispatch. We just got to like be a part of so many different activities and announcements, even though we actually didn't go to Glasgow ourselves. But I really felt that we were still part of the proceedings and I really did learn so much. It was just a fully immersive experience for two weeks and I thought it was really fun. So I'm glad that we got to share that together. You know, I'd love to for each of us to dive into something that we learned um, that we worked on this year. I can start this time and I'm going to refer to an earlier podcast episode from this season, Um, season two, episode four, which was an interview that Dan B and Susan Williams, who is the director of development for EESI, interviewed Lucas Haynes of the David Rockefeller Fund to discuss Uh, the Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance. And I had never heard about the Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance before, but basically it's about uh, foundations and grants committing to having net zero uh, emissions for their assets, for how they fund their money. And I was like, that sounds really cool. And then when we were covering COP, one of the events really covered this Net Zero Asset Owners Alliance. They really talked about this during a bunch of the UN meetings about how great it is to make sure that the assets and the funds that you're uh, like investing are net zero. And I just thought it was great to have this new piece of information that I'd learned from our podcast and see that being really useful and applied in on the global stage at COP26. So that was really cool. And I learned a lot about funding uh, from that as well. As you can see from both my answers, I don't know a lot about money (laughs) and uh, how funding works in terms of climate solutions. So I really learned a lot from both of those things. Dan B., how about we turn it over to you? 
I'm going to highlight something that I worked on for the first time in 2021. I learned a lot from lots of different projects, but this one was something that was a new experience and it was a lot of fun. I'm going to highlight the Future Climate Leader Scholarship that ESI launched on November 1st. And the Future Climate Leaders Scholarship is administered by UNCF, the United Negro College Fund. And um, for the first time, ESI will be making uh, merit-based scholarships available to students attending regional historically Black colleges and universities um, that are pursuing studies in environmental, clean energy, and climate policy. Um, So the kind of stuff that we work on. This was actually uh, an initiative first uh, envisioned by our board of directors, Um, specifically Linda Church-Chachi and Jared Blum really had a vision for the scholarship program. And I'm really pleased that we were able to to launch it. It's something that we're going to continue doing um, going forward. So that's something that I think meaningful for lots of different reasons, but also um, something I'd never worked on before, something I'd never known anything about before. So that's my answer. And Savannah, what was something new that you worked on this year? Always hard to follow you both up, but I learned something new at ESI every day, which is one of the reasons why I love my job. Um, But if I have to choose one, I think I'll choose um, the fossil fuel subsidies fact sheet that I updated earlier in this year. In this fact sheet, I examined a number of different ways through which the federal government subsidizes fossil fuels, including through tax breaks, cheap leases and royalty rates on public lands, and government-sponsored research and development. I also looked at steps that the White House and Congress are taking to reduce these harmful subsidies, including the White House's proposal to repeal tax breaks from fossil fuels, which would save taxpayers $121 billion over the next 10 years. And of course, this fact sheet can be found on our website, and I hope you will all take a moment to look at it because Emma designed an amazing graphic for it, and it's one of my favorite things in this fact sheet. Thanks, Savannah. And it's such a great resource. We get journalists and other publications citing it all the time because it's so useful and fossil fuel subsidies are a huge topic right now, especially thinking about uh, what the U.S. can do to reduce its emissions and really reduce the money that it's spending on fueling emissions. So thanks so much for bringing that up. Of course, we're also looking ahead in this episode to what's coming in 2022. So to wrap up, let's discuss what we are working on now or planning on working on into the future that we're excited about. I can start with this one. One thing that I'm helping out with is the Beneficial Electrification Toolkit, which our on-bill financing team is working on. And Beneficial Electrification is basically trying to make as many things in your home and in your life run on electricity as possible. So Uh, say your stove, making sure that it's an electric stove instead of running on gas. It also applies to having an electric car instead of a car that runs on gas, having your heating and cooling systems run on electricity instead of running on, you know, gas or oil or things like that. So it's really trying to get everything in your life running on electricity and trying to make that electricity come from clean sources. And the toolkit is really designed to help utilities, help customers around the country make that switch. And it's going to be a really incredible resource uh, for everyone who's hoping to make these transitions in their lives. And it's going to be full of great resources. And I'm really excited for it to come out. So that's what I'm going to say. 
Um, Savannah, let's turn to you next. Yeah, I agree, Emma. That's a great one. I'm also looking for that to come out. Um, I can guarantee you that we will not be bored in 2022. We have so much in the works for this next year. Um, one thing I will tease is our upcoming fact sheet on fossil fuel externalities. And externalities are all the impacts of fossil fuels that aren't included in their market prices. Um, so in that fact sheet, we look at the climate, environmental, and health costs from fossil fuels. So stay tuned, and I hope you check it out when it comes. And Dan B., we'll end it with you there. This is hard because there's so much good stuff going on. And Definitely looking forward to all those white papers. Definitely looking forward to the Beneficial Electrification Toolkit, which will be amazing. I'm going to focus on the Expo. So ESI holds our annual, our big annual event, Clean Energy Expo. Lately, it's been in July. But the last couple of years, obviously, we've had to go virtual. But we've still managed to um, put together really amazing panels. And I'm really excited to build on how things went in 2021. We had just off the charts support and participation from our Congressional uh, Renewable Energy and Energy Efficiency Caucus co-chairs, Senator Crapo, Senator Reed, Senator Van Hollen, Senator Collins, and Representative Kind. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can come up with for 2021. I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can come up with, with for 2022. I think with any luck, we'll have we'll be back having the in-person and we'll have the policy forum and the exhibition space. And I'm really hopeful that things will be, um, that circumstances will allow us to get back up there in person. But the 2021 Expo was awesome. Uh, that could re- be a really big high watermark for, for ESI in 2022. Thanks, Savannah. It was really great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Thank you, Savannah. I think we can probably pencil you in for a third visit since you're a good guest. So thanks for joining us and helping Emma and me recount all of our great projects. Thanks to Dano for helping us recount all of our great briefings. The two of you do great work. Dano, you do great work, but obviously ESI is more than just the four of us. So thanks also to everyone on the team, the communications team, policy team, development team, finance and operations team, on-bill financing team. Um, for all the great work. We're looking forward to a really good 2022. Well, Emma, we did it. We've come to the end of another great season of the Climate Conversation. Over the last eight episodes, we have traveled to the North Carolina coast, the Orcas Islands in the Pacific Northwest, the Great Lakes, the Rio Grande, and we've talked about environmental justice, climate action in businesses, net zero grant money, climate resilience and adaptation, covered a lot of ground. And looking ahead to next year, we uh, will have a briefing pretty quickly after we get back in January on advanced weather forecasting, something that I'm really, really excited about, really interesting topic. And um, I happen to know that we'll have really amazing speakers. So everyone should keep an eye out and please RSVP and join us for um, that briefing when we get back. Um, I think it'll be in the second week of January. Yes, we have really have covered so much ground this season and talked to a lot of really amazing people doing climate work on the ground and in their communities. And we are excited that we'll be bringing a new season of the Climate Conversation to you starting on February 1st in 2022. So in season three, you can expect more great interviews and more stories that bring insights to climate solutions 
told by people who are working to implement them on the ground. And if there's a story that you think we should be telling, let us know. You can contact us at communications at eesi.org. And as always, if you want to learn more about EESI's work and catch up on everything we did in 2021, head to our website at eesi.org. Also, follow us on social media at EESI online for all of our recent updates. The Climate Conversation is published as a supplement to our bi-weekly newsletter, Climate Change Solutions. Go to eesi.org slash sign up to subscribe. Thanks for joining us and see you in 2022.